don't shout out the band nearly as much as I should. Probably because they hate it when I give them a shout out. But they're kind of awesome. I'm really proud of them. If, uh, if, you're, if you're new with us, I don't know these, this band, that's my kids. That's my kids. I grew up, um, I always wanted to play music. There really wasn't anybody around. And um, at least not after mom and dad got saved. All the music people was from the old life. And they wasn't in no shape, shape to teach anybody any music. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm, I give God the glory for my parents that when they gave their heart to Jesus, our lives changed. It was a different world. Thanks, mom and dad. As it changed my life forever. So never underestimate what you're doing for your kids when you live for Jesus. Never, ever. But uh, when my kids came along, I decided that uh, they were going to be surrounded with music. So basically, they had something shoved in their hands from uh, whenever. We needed a bass player, so I said, Alexis, here's a bass. That's how she became the bass player. On Saturday night, she learned to play the bass, and Sunday morning, she was playing the bass. So she did, she did really good. They're really good. Um, welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church, where our motto is, no matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. Even, the, even if you maybe haven't experienced that everywhere, that's what we want you to experience here. Even if you believe something very different than what we believe, you're welcome with us, and we want you to hang out with us. You know, one of the things that we believe in strongly is prayer. We pray for one another and uh, pray a lot. Most of you would probably say that you do pray, at least sometimes. Most people pray, uh, even, even people who would not consider themselves particularly spiritual or religious, pray sometimes. Um, you've been in a traffic jam before? You say, Lord, can't you do something about this? And you, you, even, even people who would say they don't believe anything might lob something up to the sky with a little bit of hope. Say, Lord, hey, you know, if anyone is out there to whom it may concern, if this could turn out well, that would be nice. The cool thing about prayer is, when you're a believer, that um, the Lord immediately gives you the answers you're looking for in exactly the way that you expect them. That's your experience, right? You... You pray to God and He instantly grants your desire as easy as the push of a button. By, by the, the heads that are shaking, I'm going to guess that isn't your experience. I was hoping it was because it doesn't seem to work that way for me. I was hoping maybe that it was one of those deals where your results may vary and your life was the one where everything you pray instantly comes to pass. For me in my life... It more often seems like I've got to wait for the answer. And when the answer comes, it doesn't look like what I was praying for necessarily. Good answers, yes. But sometimes it, it feels, when I pray, that God is on the other side of some big mountain and my prayers can't quite make the climb. Or that... God wants to answer me, but something is standing in the way. Have you felt that way before? You felt like you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for a good thing. But it doesn't seem to happen. And maybe you've had somebody tell you along the way that, well, if only you had enough faith. 
that you'd get what you prayed for. And the reason that the thing you've prayed for hasn't come is because you, because you don't have enough faith. Well, we should pray in faith. We should. We should pray believing, trusting the Lord. Absolutely. But is it, is it really true that if you only had enough faith, if you only had mighty faith, then whatever you pray for should happen and happen right away? Well, we imagine maybe that the greatest, the greatest heroes of the faith should be able to pray then and instantly receive an answer to their prayers. We've been studying a hero of the faith, and what's his name? Daniel. We've been studying Daniel for a while now, and Daniel had legendary faith, even in his own time. You've heard of Ezekiel, the prophet who lived, his life overlapped with the life of Daniel, and when Ezekiel was holding someone up as, as uh, a hero of the faith, a person whose faith was incredible, he named three individuals, Job and Noah and Daniel. So we would think that Daniel, this hero of the faith, should be able to pray and God would instantly grant his prayer and in exactly the way that he asked it. But is that really true? Daniel, whose faith was so big that you'd think that if your faith was big and you get your prayers answered, that if Daniel prayed for peanut butter, the Lord would have sent an angel with a uh, a jar of extra crunchy jiff before Daniel could have got the jelly on the other side of the bread, you know. But does it really work that way? What if I told you that there was at least one instance here where Daniel prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and, prayed and it seems like nothing was happening. It seemed he prayed with the right prayer. He was asking for the right things. He was praying with the right faith and there was still a delay. I want to show you today that when we pray and it doesn't seem to be happening, it doesn't mean God's not listening. It doesn't mean God doesn't care. And it does not mean that He has said no to it. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. There is so much more going on than we see. And if there is a delay to the answer of our prayer, there's a reason. What we perceive as God not paying attention might just be God setting us up for the bigger blessing, for a bigger answer, for something more than we asked for in the first place. So we're in, we're in Daniel chapter 10 this week, and that's our text for the day, and we'll be picking up some verses as we go through that. We all know the most famous story in the book of Daniel, Daniel and the lion's den. We're familiar with that. That happened a couple of years before this story. So think maybe two years, three years after the lion's den story. Here we are in Daniel chapter 10. Uh, Daniel is no longer a, a young man at this point. He's been doing this a long time. Uh, uh, he didn't get turned into lion's chow, thankfully. So here we have this story. In the last chapter, chapter 9, we saw Daniel praying that the Lord would keep his promise to return the Jews to the promised land. You see, some 70 years before, the Babylonians had taken over everything and deported the Jews from the promised land, from Jerusalem. And almost all of Daniel's life, he's lived in Jerusalem. He's from, uh, not lived in Jerusalem, he's lived in Babylon. He's from Jerusalem, lived in Babylon almost his entire life. And then he prayed that the Lord would take the Jews back to Jerusalem as he promised. And God answered that prayer. At this point in the story, 
God has moved the heart of Cyrus the Great, the king of Persia, to release the Jews to go back. They weren't exactly slaves, they, but they weren't able to leave either. So quite a few of them have gone back to the Holy Land and are starting a new life. But guess who didn't go? Daniel didn't go. Daniel's still in Babylon. Why didn't Daniel go? Well, possibly because it's a very long, very dangerous journey and Dan, and it would have to be on foot, most likely. And Daniel's well into his 80s at this point. Um, there's no part of me that wants to walk a thousand miles. I know some of you are so devoted to one another that you would walk 500 miles and walk 500 more. Just to understand my 80s reference that I made right then. Duncan got it. The rest of y'all can Google it later. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm not going to... I don't want to walk a thousand miles to get to the Holy Land, maybe. But Daniel, he doesn't go, perhaps because he physically wasn't up to the challenge, but probably even more because God wanted him to stay. God wanted him to stay right where he was because he had work to do right there. Have you ever been in a situation you did not like and wanted to get out of that maybe you're going to tomorrow morning? Um and you're like, you know, why am I still here, Lord? Why am I still here in this job that I do not love? And the Lord may have you there for this season, for this time, for His purpose. Maybe you're supposed to witness to somebody. Maybe you're supposed to pick up some skills. Maybe you're supposed to make your resume look really good so that the next one, God opens up an opportunity, it will be there. But Daniel, for whatever reason, is still there. If you read uh, Daniel... 10. If you've read Daniel 10, you'll notice Daniel doesn't actually mention any of the information that I've given you. That's the background. He just starts into this prayer. He's been laboring in prayer. He's got this broken-hearted prayer. So let's read the first few verses of Daniel 10, and we'll pause and pray. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was also called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message, and he had had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three full weeks. How long? Three weeks. He's praying and mourning. And verse 3 elaborates and says, I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came to my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all, till three whole Weeks were fulfilled. How long has he been praying? Three whole weeks of constant prayer. So much that he's barely eating, he's barely sleeping, he's not taking care of himself. Three whole weeks. We're going to stop there and pray. Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you'll open the Scriptures to us that we might see the truth behind the delays when we pray. God, I, I ask that you'll help us to understand we need to know this. In our lives today, in Jesus' name, amen. So Daniel is very upset. He's not eating, he's not sleeping, he's not taking care of himself. He's just laboring in prayer. Maybe, maybe you know what it means to labor in prayer. I mean, just pray until it hurts and you just keep praying and keep praying. So what's got him in this shape? Why is he so upset? After all, didn't the Lord answer his other prayer? Didn't the Jews get to go back to the promised land? Isn't it supposed to be better now? Isn't it supposed to be happily ever after now? Well, isn't that the way it is in our lives? You get one breakthrough, 
and everything's supposed to be fine now, right? And it's the end of the, the rom-com and they play the catchy music and the credits roll and everything's great. But you don't see how the rest of it went. We, we don't, the credits don't roll on our story when the prayer gets answered. There's the next challenge. How many of you know that when you pray for people you care about, it's not over when one prayer is answered? you got to keep praying. Those kids you pray for, you're going to have to keep praying for them kids. Have to keep on praying for them. That friend, that person you love that has been pulled, that's sober now, you got to keep praying for them. It doesn't stop right there. Now, as for Daniel, his people had that big breakthrough. They've been released to go back to the promised land. But the battle wasn't over. A big group of them did go. Book of Ezra tells us that over 42,000 went back to the promised land. But a lot more stayed behind. A lot of them did not go back to the promised land. It seemed they were pretty comfortable living in Babylon. Comfortable living in a place that was full of idolatry. They didn't want to leave. And as for those who returned to Jerusalem, Daniel probably got some news back of what was going on. That, that some of these folks in Jerusalem were, were getting mixed up with their pagan neighbors again. They were getting mixed up in some of the same things that tripped them up before. And, and uh, they were starting to slip a little bit. That's why they got removed from the promised land in the first place. He'd probably also heard how the returnees started rebuilding the temple. They started something good, but they got busy with other things and they... Just let it. They got the foundations laid, but then they stopped working on the temple. So he's discouraged. Have you ever watched somebody you care about fall back into the same hole that they just got out of, and maybe you're the one who was holding that rope? Boy, does that ever hurt. Have you ever looked at your own life and said, here I am again, In the same old rut. The same familiar old rut that you prayed and the Lord delivered you from, but there you are again. The same old patterns. I think the devil knows. The devil's been taking good notes. He knows what works and doesn't have to get that creative we fall into those same old things again and again and Daniel he's seeing this happen the same old destructive patterns happening again and he's upset so that's why he's praying so hard that's why he's living off of bread and water that's why he's not really doing anything else but praying for three weeks he's labored in prayer and at the time of this story he's been at it 21 days and he wanders out of the city and he goes down by the riverbank and he's distraught This is one of the greatest heroes of the faith that's ever lived, and he's cried out to God consistently, day and night, for 21 days, and nothing. Nothing. And then, there was something. After those three weeks, he's down there by the river, and he looks up, and suddenly, there's a guy. And not just any guy. It's a shining person. Wearing white linen, and he's got a golden belt, and his skin, and it looks like gemstones, and his face is like lightning. I wonder what that looks like. There was that one Spider Man movie with the Electro Bad Guy. Did y'all see that one? 
I just imagine like, this is, you know, how does your face look like lightning? I don't know. That's the best that I can come up with. And his eyes were like fire. And when he spoke, it was like a huge crowd of people speaking in unison. Daniel wasn't alone down there by the river, not at first. There were other people around doing their thing, but they, they did not see this person who appeared. They heard the noise, they saw the light, and they ran away. So Daniel is now by himself, and he just, what would you do? He collapsed. He collapsed, and he couldn't move, but he could hear everything. Now Daniel must have been wondering what we're wondering. Who is this person? By the riverbank, the Tigris River. Some people said, well, maybe it's Jesus in an angelic form. Maybe. But I kind of think it was just a really powerful angel. Because we're going to see this person is opposed, and I don't know how you're going to oppose Jesus. You're not going to manage that. There's no force of darkness that can overcome our Lord Jesus. He can't. So I think this is an angel rather than Jesus. Um, the being that I'm going to call an angel, reached down and touched Daniel and lifted him up. And Daniel was still pretty shaky, but he was able to stand on his feet. And uh, this angel said to him, Daniel, you are greatly loved. Now, how would, yeah, isn't that, isn't that sweet? But after, you know, you've almost messed yourself and then so you get picked up off the ground, you're greatly loved. Maybe that's not uh, the first thing you would expect to hear. Daniel, you're greatly loved and I've been sent with an answer to your prayer. So we're going to read a bit more, Daniel 10, verses 12 and 13. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. What day did God send the angel? The first day he started praying. What day are we on? Day 21. Okay. But, verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I'd been, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. What in the world? It's strange. There's some powerful truth buried here. From the very first moment Daniel began to pray, day one, an angel was sent with the answer. But the angel only arrived on day 21, three weeks. And we're told the reason is because there was interference by someone called the prince of Persia. Who is this prince of Persia? We can get an understanding here. D discovering the truth is going to require us to rethink our understanding of the word prince in our time in our culture a prince is something very specific right the prince is the son of a king or queen that's a a prince but in hebrew culture the word prince was very broadly applied it could indicate any very powerful or influential person so a prince could be royalty yes but a prince could also be a military commander. A prince could also be a politician or a wealthy business person or a folk hero or the leader of a large and influential family. Any of you part of a big family? Got a big family? Then the leader of that family could be a prince. Could be a prince. Dad, you're a prince. You're a prince. 
Just look at somebody. Because it could be almost any kind of a, of a powerful person. Are you sitting next to someone who's just so admirable? Look at them and say, you're a prince. Some of the, yeah, yeah. Just a prince. Duncan already knew, didn't he, Diane? Because you tell him every day, what a prince, what a prince he is. Just as my wife every morning wakes up as I'm about to leave and says, oh man of God. How lucky I am to be married to such a spiritual giant as you who provides for our family as you do. And I I just admire you and look up to you every day. That's exactly what she says. And she's not here to tell you any different because she'll be at the evening service today. Actually, she says, I love you, drop safe, because I leave really early. I leave really early. So again, without the context to the Hebrew people, Prince, the title Prince, could mean lots of different things. You, without the context, you cannot derive the meaning. Guess what? That's the truth for most of the Bible, y'all. If you try to pull a verse out of context or a few words out of context, you won't really understand. A whole lot of the messed up theology that's in this world and messed up understanding and frankly, a lot of cultish belief originates when somebody grabs a verse and pulls it out of context and considers it without trying to understand it within the story. So that's why I try to give you a lot of background about what's going on. Not less than what the Scripture says, but but more background. Thankfully, we do have some context here. We have another prince. And what is that prince's name? It's right there in verse 13. Don't disappoint me now. What is that prince's name? It ain't talking about me. I'll just tell you right now. (laughs) I don't think I fit any definition of the word prince. But the prince's name is Michael. And we know who Michael is in the Scriptures. We have other Scriptures to compare to find out who this guy is. So, if he's a prince, we get an idea of what these other princes are in this context here michael in the bible is a very powerful angel an archangel in revelation chapter 12 michael is the warrior angel who leads the armies of heaven against the devil and locks him up for a period of time Um, we learn in daniel um, 12 that um it may not have been in revelation i may have that scripture reference wrong but it's in the book of revelation in daniel 12 we learn that michael is stands guard over Israel, kind of like a guardian angel. You've heard of the concept of guardian angels, right? Guardian angels. The Scriptures absolutely speak of angels watching over believers. Now, to say that a specific angel is assigned to a specific person, well, that's going to be a little harder to prove scripturally that there's like a specific angel. Maybe. Possibly. And uh, I feel like angels have watched over me a time or two. Maybe you felt the same way. I don't know if it was a guardian angel. If there's an angel specifically assigned to me, I would say that he spends a lot of time uh, facepalming himself and saying, here we go again, back again. Michael, don't you know? Don't you know? Some things I have learned in life. I remember being four years old and I pulled a cat's tail. And uh, a couple of times, and the cat put up with it briefly, and then the cat didn't put up with it anymore. I learned a lesson. I got swiped. 
You know how many times I've pulled a cat's tail since then? Zero. Zero. Didn't have to learn that again. All these other dumb things, though. Bigger dumb things. I've had to learn over and over again. So maybe we do have guardian angels, and let's just face it, your guardian angel has a lot to do if you got one. Because all of us, even the people who look like they've got it all together, are a big hot mess. Look at the person beside you and say, I love you, but you're a mess. You're a mess. Some of y'all are going to have a difficult ride away from this place, understand? But the fact of the matter is, and I'll go ahead and say, if you don't already know that you're a hot mess, you probably won't hang out with Recreate Church very long <laughs> because the rest of us are a big old hot mess. So we got something to do. This, this scripture suggests something even beyond the idea of a personal guardian angel. We see something that kind of looks like they're guardian angels over nations. At least the nation of Israel. That's fairly plain. Daniel 12.1 shows us that that there is a guardian angel that, that watched over Israel, and his, his name was Michael. And in the context, this prince of Persia very well may be, or what it looks like in the context, is, is like a guardian angel over Persia. And later on, we'll see a guardian angel over Greece. But the fact that this prince of Persia is opposing the messenger of God kind of shows you that he can't be a good angel. He's going to have to be a bad angel, a fallen angel, or as we would say, a demon. A guardian demon of a pagan nation. Okay, let's pause there. That's an uncomfortable thought, isn't it? We like the idea of angels looking after us. Maybe even angels looking after nations. That sounds good. But what about the other side? We read about the powers of darkness and that is very uncomfortable but the reality is as there are good angels watching over us there's forces of darkness that are opposing us i don't like that do you like that no but it is the reality the reality is there are unseen forces at play that are far bigger and more complicated than we think. We suppose that our enemies are the people who have different values than us. And our culture likes to pit groups against one another. One political party assumes that their enemies are in the other political party and, and vice versa. But I'm here to tell you, your real enemies aren't the people who think differently than you. Your enemies aren't the Democrats, your enemies aren't the Republicans, your enemies aren't your crazy neighbor, your enemies aren't your dramatic family members and former family members. Our real enemies are something so much bigger. Ephesians 6.12, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, that is to say, human beings but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. This story from the book of Daniel is a reminder to us that there's always more going on than we can see. That there are angels fighting for us, but dark forces fighting against us. And here we see 
it's on a national scale, at least in this context. Can I stand before you and say that every nation has a guardian angel or a guardian demon? I can't. I can't say that. I think that's an overreach. But what is very clear is that spiritual warfare is a real thing. And more often than not, it plays out right here on earth. There is a misconception about where the devil hangs out. If you watch the Bugs Bunny cartoons and you, you know, read comics, the understanding is that the devil is hanging out in a very specific um, location. They say the devil's down in hell. Well, scripturally speaking, he's never even been there. You know where the devil's at? Right here on planet Earth. In the book of Job, he shows up in the throne room of God and God says, where you been? And the devil said, I've been in the earth, going up and down in the earth. This is where he's at. He's causing problems right here, right now. And sometimes the battleground where the warfare is being fought is in your life. Be sure that there are forces that want you to get to God and there are forces that want to hold you back. It's very uncomfortable to think about, and yet it's true. Here we see the angel telling Daniel, that he was dispatched to, his, to answer his prayers on the very first day he prayed, and yet this, this dark force delayed him for 21 days. And it was only when the archangel Michael showed up that he was able to get through with the message. Now we're back in Daniel 10.14. We'll get that scripture. Daniel 10.14, the angel says, Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. Latter days just means the future, the days after this. Daniel was concerned about what was going to happen to his people because he, he saw them slipping back into the old ways, falling into the hole again, into corruption and unbelief and spiritual darkness. And the messenger from God would tell him that yes, they were slipping, but God had a plan and they would be purified, and their faith would not die. It would grow stronger. And the way that it would grow stronger, we're going to see in the next chapter, is through struggle. The next chapter gives the explanation. Actually, the next chapter kind of just is the same story. Daniel 10, Daniel 11 could easily be one chapter. And you say, well, it wasn't written that way. Well, guess what? When the Bible was written, they didn't put chapters in it. It was just a scroll. Each book was a scroll, and there wasn't chapter divisions. Now, in the Old Testament original Hebrew, they didn't have punctuation or capital letters, so it was really complicated. Thank goodness that they got that sorted out before we came along. But chapters and verses were not common in Bibles until about 400 years ago with the Geneva Bible, who was, that was the first very popular English Bible, divided up into chapters and verses. So anyway... We're going to see, flowing right from chapter 10 to chapter 11, that God was going to strengthen and purify the faith of His people through struggle. That doesn't sound right, does it? I thought struggle was what killed faith. I've been doing this Jesus thing a long time. Doing this pastor thing a long time. And I've talked to a lot of people who would say, you know, I used to believe, but all this bad stuff happened and I don't, I don't think I can believe anymore. And my heart goes out to those people. We built this church for people who have doubts about God and church in general. But this is also what I can tell you from the Word of God. That struggle does not kill 
faith. Struggle doesn't burn up faith. Struggle burns up what you thought was faith. But wasn't. Most of the time we go through life with an idea, an inflated idea of our faith. But when the, we're in the fire, a lot of what we thought was faith, but was really just good feelings, and I heard a good song on Spirit FM, it gets burned up. It does not sustain you. It's kind of like um, a, a house made out of cardboard. It's not going to survive the fire. But a house made out of steel, that will. And when we're in the fire, all that cardboard, all them flashy posters of what looks like faith burns up. And all that's left is what's real. And it's always a lot less than we thought. It's a lot less, but it's real. And it's there. And the Jewish people are going to struggle in the next several hundred years. The years prophesied in the next chapter, they're going to struggle so bad, but it's not going to kill their faith. They're going to be stuck between two warring factions, two, two kingdoms, and they're going to suffer a lot. And uh, they're going to endure a terrible time of persecution under a Greek king called Antiochus Epiphanes that we mentioned a few weeks ago. A guy so bad that when the Bible started to explain what the Antichrist would be like, they started with Antiochus as the example. Kind of starting from there. As we would think of someone like Hitler... This guy was like that very much. So let's read a couple more verses, then we're going to get to the heart of the whole thing. Daniel 10, verses 20 and 21. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I've gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. Another evil guardian angel. But I will tell you what is noted in the Scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. So... The messenger of God said he would give the explanation, but then he's going to have to go off and do battle again. And thankfully, he's got a, a, an ally there in the archangel. So this idea of angels fighting each other, that'd make a pretty cool movie, I guess. Too bad we don't get the details of that fight. I'm sure Hollywood could supply all of that. But very interesting. I almost called this... Um, this message, Daniel and the Angel MMA. <laughs> or for uh, anybody who was around at the time, Daniel, uh, D- Daniel and the Daniel and uh, WrestleMania. So some of you around for WrestleMania, I was that was that was when wrestling was real. So I thought when I was very young. But that's interesting. Yeah, but what's closer to home? That there's some angels fighting, or maybe the the really the close to home reality is that Daniel, a hero of the faith, prayed his heart out to God for weeks and weeks and weeks, couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, let everything slipped, and yet no answer came, or it seemed like no answer was coming. Now you and I are unlikely to witness an angelic battle and recognize it for what it is, but I guarantee you, every single one of you will pray for things. That you see, it seems like the answer doesn't come. You're praying for some stuff right now, aren't you? And it doesn't seem to be happening. What do we do with that? From this story, we see that even though it looks like nothing is happening, God is at work. God is sending an answer. 
God is not ignoring His children no more than you could ignore your children. The answer is coming. But boy, it feels like it's a long time coming. This message might be a lot more fun if I could call it Daniel and the Angel Mixed Martial Arts Competition. But it's Daniel and the unanswered prayer. With the un in parentheses for those who are listening to the podcast and might not uh, read down in the notes. Daniel and the unanswered prayer. From where Daniel was on day 20, it just looked like God wasn't listening. You felt that, haven't you? It just feels like God's not listening. You know He's listening. You know it in your heart, but it feels like He's not. In this story, could God have instantly provided an answer? Yes. Dark forces might have been able to slow down an angel, but they couldn't withstand God. That's when I think this, this uh, person dressed in white linen wasn't Jesus because how's, no demon's going to resist Jesus. It's just not going to happen. There must have been a good reason why God allowed the delay. If we pray and the answer does not come when we expect it, does it mean God doesn't care? Or could it be that God has reasons? Remember when we were younger and we asked some grown-up some very big question? And the answer came, I'll tell you when you're older. Did you hate that as much as I did? You hate it. You think they're just withholding information from me. I should be able to know this. And my son asked these questions all the time. He's 11, getting ready to be 12. So he asked lots of questions that I say, son, i tell you what, I'll tell you when you get a little older. Or let's take a car ride away from the girls and let's, we'll get these questions answered. So I always felt like, man, why are they holding this back? Tell me when I'm older. I'm older than I was when I asked the question like 30 seconds ago. I'm 30 seconds older. Is that older enough? But when you do get older, you understand why they didn't lay all that on you, huh? Because there are some things you need a higher level of maturity to understand. Could it be that some of the things that we pray about, the reason they don't happen right away is because some growth needs to happen first. I understand that might not apply to everything, but some of the things we pray about, God's got to do some work on us before we're ready we may need to grow. When, and when you pray and persist in prayer, and when you don't give up when the answer doesn't come, you do grow. And as you pray, even though there is a delay, your understanding changes. You might discover, at least I certainly have, that what you were praying for really wasn't what you should have been praying for. You're praying for something when God... You really should be praying for something else. You might have needed to pray for something bigger. I'm convinced that sometimes, folks, we are praying for God to give us one chalupa when He wants to give us the whole Taco Bell. That was funnier when I wrote it in my notes. <laughs> you might be asking God to move you out of a situation when that might be the very place you need to be for bigger blessing to prepare you. you. You might discover that you're asking God to bless something that, that He really shouldn't bless. It's one thing to ask God to bless your business, but if your business is cooking meth, God's probably not going to bless that. If you are praying 
for the downfall of your ex, God probably is not going to honor that. He's probably not. If you're praying for something like that, there's some prayers that God, you know, you know, your kids ask for crazy things like, hey, it's 10 o'clock. Can I have a soda? It's 10 o'clock. You can't have a soda. 10 p.m., that is to say. 10 p.m., which they would be asking their mama at 10 p.m. because this old boy's done been asleep for like an hour at that point. And their mama will probably let them have the soda because she's the good cop. I'm the bad cop. You know, there's things that we ask that God, that God can't bless. But what about the times when we ask God for things that are good? When we pray for healing. When we pray for deliverance. When we know it's not against anything in the Bible what we're praying for, and yet there seems to be, there seems to be a delay. What, what then? What's that mean? Well, one thing we can see in this passage is that the devil can oppose good things in our lives. We don't like it, but the devil can stand in the way of some things. Not forever, but for a while. And then, it might be that it's like Daniel. On day 20, it looked like no answer was coming. But the very next day was the breakthrough. How do you know that tomorrow isn't the day? And if you give up praying today, tomorrow doesn't happen. You keep praying for that person. You keep on praying. Trust God. You think it's not going to happen? You pray. You pray. You trust God and say, Lord, if I'm praying the wrong thing, please show me so I can pray right. And guess what? He will. You keep on praying. Don't give up. Because tomorrow might be day 21. And God sends an angel with the answer that you've been laboring for all this time. As we persist in prayer, our understanding of God Himself will grow. We can start out praying, viewing God as this big cosmic vending machine. It's like, okay, I'll put my prayer in here. Boop. And I push the button. And the little bag of chips falls. And I'm supposed to reach in there and I get, I get, the, I get those chips I want. You know, put your name on it. I got that better job. It just drops. Okay, yeah. Did God promise to be your vending machine? He promised to be your provider. He promised to be your father. He sees what we cannot see. We think we know best, but God really knows best. So I don't know who needs to hear this today besides me. But if you've been praying and praying for something and it doesn't seem to be happening, do not stop praying. Delay does not mean denial. I think we have a slide with that on it. Uh, if you'll put that up, just kind of have this. Delay does not mean denial. Delay might mean that it's growing, that the, whatever you're praying for is getting bigger or getting better. Delay is not denial. God is at work in the delay. And as you keep going, you keep praying, He's going to grow you and teach you and make you ready for the answer when it comes i want to pray for all of us right now heavenly father there are many of us in this room who have been praying over a situation that is so important and we're waiting we're waiting it's been 20 days and no answer or 
20 years and no answer. And we just keep praying, Lord, I pray that you will give us the tenacity to not give up. Lord, if we are praying for the wrong thing, please show us. If you are preparing us for the answer, please help us not to give up. God, we give you the glory knowing that you understand our situation better than we do. And as much as we think we get it, we don't. We surrender our understanding to you, Lord, knowing it's incomplete. And I pray that we will have the faith to keep lifting up those prayers as you change us, as you grow us, and as you change the situations around us. God, we give you the glory and thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Keep on praying, folks. Don't give up. Next week, Lord willing, we are going to be in Daniel 11. And a couple of things before you leave. Just remember, June 19th is a baptism service. If you want to be a part of that, I need to hear from you directly. We need to talk about that. There's some stuff over here in the... There's You need some potatoes? Somebody brought some potatoes today. Come get a sack of potatoes. And uh, somebody brought some pepper plants today. Don't know what kind of peppers they are, but they're peppers. Take some of them too. God bless you guys. Take care.